Welcome back to Market on Close. Let's bring in our next guest, and that's going to be George Tillis. He's a contributor on the TD Ameritrade Network. George, you've got some overlooked stocks to cover for us today. And the first one we're going to start with is Aterian. Uh, ticker symbol A-T-E-R. I just looked at this stock earlier. I think it was up about 20%. It settled the day up about 52%, George. Uh, the technology-enabled consumer products platform that builds, acquires, and partners with ele uh, electronic commerce or e-commerce brands. Uh, what's your takeaway from this stock? Why is it moving today? Well, yeah, I mean, we can start with the price action. I mean, the stock uh, hit about 48 bucks back in February, and it went all the way to $3 just a couple uh, a couple weeks ago. So there's a lot of reasons why the stock is moving, and primarily uh, it's founded based upon the short interest, which is around 25%. I've seen a lot worse, but uh, we've seen also stocks that have lower short interest uh, actually move quite a bit on a relative basis. But as you mentioned, yeah, this is a technology-enabled uh, e-commerce company. Uh, it's a company that actually has had quite a few brands uh, under its umbrella, but basically it builds, acquires, and uh, partners up with e-commerce uh, uh, giants, companies like Amazon and Shopify and Walmart. But it also is moving into more a technology software angle as well as uh, helping with supply chain logistics. So it's actually applying software that uses artificial intelligence and machine learning data analytics to, uh, to focus on uh, bringing uh, merchants, their brands to, uh, to of course, larger, uh, so third-party merchants to larger e-commerce platforms, like I said, Amazon and Shopify. So it is a company that's been around for quite some time. There are analysts that do cover the company, about four of them. They have a price target of 950. But overall, I mean, looking at the stock from high to low, I mean, it was a significant uh, decline from the February highs. And I think it has to do with the fact that it was a meme-based stock and also the short interest caught a lot of traders attention but they forgot about it up until recent uh, and it seems to have gotten some uh, uh some uh, fervor if you will uh with uh, with the short uh, interest crowd as well as the retail crowd which have pushed it to about 19 and a half today yeah so this is definitely going to be one of those meme stocks it's probably on the reddit boards and wall street bets probably but if you look at uh you know the way that companies like this move george and the stock and you you're looking at it as an, an investor does it, besides the red flags that happen everywhere, but that being said, you mentioned this stock was up over $48 earlier this year. It does have a sustainable business. It's involved with some good partners. Uh, is that, uh, you know, to making this stock or company a relevant one? Well, that's a good question, and I think so. There is some relevance to the company, so there is a reason why the stock was at 48 earlier this year. But I think one of the challenges with uh, with Ethereum, as well as companies like, uh, for instance, Connexit Logic or, or Symbol Wish, is it was a situation of at least last quarter where there was a overpromise and underdeliver. Now, when it comes down to Ethereum, they actually uh, expected about $68 million in sales overall for the uh, trailing 12 months, including last quarter's report. Uh, they, they generate about $216 million in sales with a market cap of about $600 million. So 600 million is a very low number. It's easy to push it around from a retailer's, uh, retail investor standpoint. But the number last quarter missed the estimates by about 26 million. So they were expecting a pretty significant run uh, to the upside in sales last quarter. Now the sales last quarter, year over year comparison wise was up about 14%. And that's pretty decent, but not necessarily for a growth company. If you go back to uh, to Q1, year over year, it was 88%. So I think the uh, trajectory in sales 
which went from 88% year-over-year down to 16%, sorry, 14% year-over-year, uh, was one of the reasons why the stock actually fell about $3. But I think since then, we're actually seeing the company now rebound because of the high short interest. So overall, if you look at the company's sales growth trajectory, it declined significantly from the last two quarters. But, but overall, it's still growing its top-line sales. And overall, it's also generating a net loss of about 160 million on a yearly basis. So there are some financial challenges to the company. There are some positive revenue profile growth numbers to go with the company, but at the same time, it does have a lot of short interest, which also is a positive, at least in this environment. But there's also the elements of third-party distribution of, 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 of commerce goods. Now with technology partners like Ethereum, they're not necessarily buying brands, they're actually helping brands intermediate their businesses and get them to marketplace alongside partnerships with larger e-commerce giants. So I think overall the business is changing. It's actually becoming less capital intensive uh, and brand intensive to more partnership intensive where it's actually helping brands versus acquiring brands uh, going forward. So I think it's, it, it's also a catalyst for the company, but uh, I can't say exactly where the stock will go or, or what it should be valued at because it's too difficult relative to the short interest. But you have to look at the analysts, which uh, on a consensus basis, the four that at least do cover the stock, have about a nine or $9 or $10 price target, somewhere in the, in the middle of the range there, which gives you an idea that there is some attraction in its business because there are at least four analysts that do cover the company. Yeah, and it's up another dollar in the post market today as that short squeeze continues. We'll continue to look at that. It's in a, uh, a niche market there uh, in that sector. Uh, but the next one we're going to hit on is Ferroglobe uh, PLC. It's GSM as a ticker symbol, engaged in silicon and, and specialty metals industry. The company yeah. produces silicon metal and silicon-based manganese-based alloys, up over 5% today. What are you seeing out of this company? Well, it's a UK-based company, Ferroglobe, an interesting company in the specialty material space, but it's actually performed quite well on a relative basis to some of the other materials and commodity-based companies. But uh, if you were to ask me exactly what this company does, well, it's basically electroconductive silicon uh, materials. So it basically is alloy silicons that is used in specialty chemicals and aluminum production, steel, but also, this is what I think is important here, is semiconductor foundries, so semiconductor manufacturing. The other thing is it's well diversified. It actually sells product into multiple uh, industry groups, uh, chemicals, metals, uh, I'm sorry, uh, materials uh, or medical supplies, aluminum fabrication, but also, like I said, in the, uh, in the silicon semiconductor space. It also has quartz and coal mining, which I think is, uh, is improving, but coal we know is still uh, down on a secular basis. But I think what's happening here is, is it's not necessarily uh, any specific catalyst today what I ended up finding is, is if you look at its Q2 report going back to, uh, to uh, 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 early August or late August, it actually reported a profit of about two cents relative to the seven cent loss they reported last year. So what I ended up doing is, is taking a look at some of its financial uh, profile. And I did notice that this, was, this last quarter reported was the first profitable quarter since 2018 and lo and behold, you actually look at the price action of the stock, it's starting to reach or creep towards some 2018 levels. The other thing is um, for the quarter, like I said, first profitable quarter since 2018, uh, it actually reported, the company now did report improvement 
in prices, not only in silicon, which were up 20% year over year, but also in magnesium prices, which were up about 20% year over year. But, but the, the main kicker here is silicon materials prices. It's a hybrid product that they primarily focus in, which is, again, uh, electroconducive silicon materials. Those prices are up 50%. So I think pricing has been a real key objective for the company's stock price movement. Last quarter demonstrated, they demonstrated a, a, a profitability at least on a, uh, on a gap basis, not just on a non-gap basis. And I think it's gotten attention from investors because of the fact that its profitability profile is expanding as well as the fact that it's well diversified into multiple industry groups. It's actually outperformed quite well on a relative basis. I mean, year to date, it's up over 400%. If you compare that to other materials companies that we're more familiar with, like let's say tech resources or Freeport, it's up about 10 times the amount that those other companies are respectively. Yeah, it's had a nice run here. And you've got to figure that demand, the demand cycle for uh, some of its products is starting to ramp up here. Maybe that helps margins out here, but had a nice day today, up 5.3% yep. on the session. Uh, finally, George, let's go to our uh, last one, Cinemark, uh, CNK. Uh, and uh, it basically, they operate theaters, right? And we had some positive news out of yep. Disney that they're going to release all their films for 45 days, up to 45 days, in theaters only and not put it to the streaming services uh, yet. So what are you seeing here? The stock was up about 8% today. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's the primary catalyst we've seen for Cinemark and maybe even AMC as of late because of, these, uh, of this news about Disney releasing only in theaters, which has been a challenge, really, uh, for, uh, for uh, theater companies like Cinemark, which is the third largest, uh, because of the, the distribution going direct to, of course, uh, other, uh, other channels like uh, Netflix or Disney Plus. But they operate Cinemark now about 4,500 total movie theaters in 37 states. They actually operate about 12 Latin American countries. But if you actually look at the company, it's not necessarily performed anything like AMC. We know AMC uh, has been really a meme, a short squeeze stock. And there has been a significant reason why, because if you look at, a, a, you know, the financial profile of companies like Cinemark versus AMC coming into 2020, uh, AMC's financial profile was horrible, to say the least, on a relative basis compared to companies like Cinemark. Now, if you look at Cinemark uh, going into uh, uh, the pandemic, they actually had a much lower debt profile. They were in a better cash position. They actually have a smaller footprint, that, but they were better in terms of profitability uh, and le lower lease obligations than companies like AMC. But uh, of course, AMC got a lot of traction, and there was a reason a lot of short sellers were tackling AMC because its financial profile was much worse than, let's say, IMAX or Cinemark coming into the pandemic. But looking at Cinemark, uh, there is analyst coverage, and this is important because you need some, uh, some benchmarks uh, for pricing. There are 11 analysts that cover the company, and they actually respectively have $23 price target, which is actually quite rich considering that uh, AMC, which is trading above 50, has got consensus target of $5 by analyst. And if you take a look at the valuation of Cinemark on a relative basis, uh, the market cap is about $2 billion. It compares Cinemark to AMC at $26 billion. Uh, it's only trading around two and a half times trailing sales versus AMC 16 times. So I think valuation here is certainly more compelling in the theater business for Cinemark compared to AMC. It's free cash flow positive versus AMC is still negative. Its debt position is better. And institutional ownership for Cinemark is quite high, 90%, whereas in, in the uh, uh, AMC world, only 25% of the shares are owned by institutions. That means the majority are owned by, of course, the retail 
traders. So I think Cinemark, you know, if you're in the theater business or looking for theater investments, it's certainly the better one from a financial standpoint, but that's not to say that AMC can't skyrocket from here just because of the fact that it's got so much popularity, short interest, and of course the retail crowd, which has certainly pushed that stock to considerable heights over the last year.